Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Marcus just got back from his Montana bear hunt and he's got a bear to take care of. So I said, Marcus, I tell you what, I'll host Fresh Tracks Weekly this week. So you're stuck with me. It's summer, right? The important holiday Memorial Day just passed by last Monday. And that's kind of the official start of summer. And around here, it's the official start of fishing season. And Michael did his annual Fort Peck trip last weekend. And he might talk about it when he gets to the fishing report. But suffice to say, if you're going to go to Fort Peck fishing in some of the out-of-the-way places, which aren't at the dam, it can be adventure fishing. You can get stuck. You can tear your boat apart. You can do all kinds of stuff, which is what makes Fort Peck such a fun place to go on an adventure fishing trip. I'm just back from Alaska. I got back, let's see, four days ago. Me and Jace were up there. I had a black bear tag. I was hunting with my buddy Jim the Beard Bachetail. Sounds like a good wrestling name, right? But we could also call him Hawkin' Jim or something because you know that he hunts with his 58 caliber Hawkin'. Spoiler alert, uh, a bear was harmed in the making of that episode. Uh, out on our platforms, Blake edited and Michael just published the turkey hunt that our crew did in early May. So you can go watch that on YouTube. We did a huge project with Shane Mahoney last summer and we've been working on it for almost a year. And this is the first time we've ever dedicated our platforms to this degree on something as intense or as in-depth as Wild Harvest. Shane has the Wild Harvest Initiative and I feel it's that important to the future of hunting, explaining why we hunt, the food reasons for hunting, that you're going to see a bunch of it on our YouTube channel. There are seven long-form videos on our YouTube channel coming. The first one's already up there. There's five long-form podcasts. So I hope you'll go check all that out. We put a lot of work into it because we think it's that important. You may have heard that I did a pronghorn course for outdoor class. Well, in celebration of that, Go Hunt and Outdoor Class are doing a promo where somebody gets to go on a pronghorn hunt in Nevada in August of this year. And I'm going to be there for, I don't know, humor, maybe to get a sunburn, but I'm going to be there as the sidekick. So if you want details on that, go to the link. We'll put it in the description down below. And uh, hopefully you'll be the winner who gets to go and do that. Now, we're going to take it over to Michael the Fisherman Parente because he's going to do his weekly Fresh Tracks fishing update. So, take it away, Michael. Welcome back to the Fishing Corner. We're in the corner this week. Episode th 43? I don't know, 42 or 43. It's been a great it was a great Memorial Day. I'll tell you what, the fishing was awesome. We went out to Fort Peck, Montana. If you haven't heard of it, you should Google it because it's a pretty sweet fishery, warm water species. It was a blast. Went out there with a few friends. We set up our wall tents. Um, I used Bo Beatty's wall tent, and it was awesome. It thunderstormed on us. I had never been in such a crazy thunderstorm, and this tent was like – Everybody else's was like rattling and we had one collapse and Cassie and I were just hanging out in ours. And it was really super comfortable, but this is the fishing corner, not the tent corner. So I'll tell you about the fishing. We had a smallmouth derby 
it was the Fort Peck Smallmouth Classic the second year. And spoiler man, we won it the second year in a row. My team won it. I actually won Biggest Bass with a three and a half pounder. I'll show you a picture of that. So that was a, a great accomplishment. And these fish, you know, they're eating pretty much everything. We caught a bunch of walleye, smallmouth, pike. Um, we got catfish, golden eye, 130 fish total. It was a great time. It's one of my favorite areas to go fish and one of the trips that I look forward to the most every single year. Um, yeah, it was a great time. So with that being said, we're going to send it back to Randy. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll see you next week on the Fishing Corner. Well, thanks, Michael. That was a good fishing report, as always, from Michael. Now, I'm scheduled to go do some walleye fishing, but my wife is camera shy. So you might get an image or two once I'm done with my fishing, but you're not going to get a full-blown fishing report with video and all that other stuff. So how about we get into some news, right? I'll be quick about this stuff because... The first news item I'm going to talk about is what's going to be the deep dive for this segment, so I hope you'll stick around. We're going to go into a really deep dive of this topic called corner crossing. We've talked about it many times on these platforms. We've done podcasts on it with attorneys. Uh, maybe you were living under a dark rock and you missed this, but last Friday, the judge in that case issued a ruling in favor of the four hunters from Missouri. And I'm not going to get into all the details here. Just hang around. As quick as we're done with this part, we're going to do the deep dive on corner crossing. That case, what that means, how much precedent or not any precedent, where it applies, all kinds of stuff. A few other things of note, uh, the BLM and the Forest Service are considering a new policy that would give conservation and allow for leasing of, of lands for conservation purposes and put that on the same level as other consumptive uses. Now, they have a multiple use mandate at the Forest Service and BLM, so conservation could be given priority, not priority, but given equal footing to those uses. And right now, the BLM is hosting open houses to discuss this and take comments. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how all of that unfolds. Um, that's a big change. Then we just had the announcement that those of us who buy firearms, ammo, other hunting gear that's subject to the Pittman Robertson excise tax, which is an 11% tax on all ammo and all firearms and a few other things, it just surpassed the $16 billion mark. Yeah, billion with a B. Those are excise taxes that you as hunters and shooters, we all pay. And it goes into a fund, it gets redistributed to the states. And this money is very critical to state agencies in their wildlife management programs. And yeah, it's been 16 billion in total, not adjusted for inflation. If you adjust it for the inflation of the old dollars, it'd be way beyond that. But just in the last two years, it's added another $2 billion. That's a lot of money that we are paying for conservation, for wildlife management, and it's, uh, it's one of those things I think hunters should be proud of. And uh, there's been some weird attacks in Congress on that. 
and no one's asked for it. All the industry that pays the, it's a manufacturer-based tax. All the industry people, they're, they're like, who wants to get rid of this? All the agency people, hunters, were like, whose stupid idea is that? So fortunately, all those ideas have been defeated so far. And the program's in place, very robust and doing great work. Then we have, I call it the category, too dumb to be true, but it's really true. And this is Nevada had a bill, Senate Bill 90, that would have taken the desert bighorn sheep, which is currently their state animal, and said, ah, junk that native species, and replace it with feral horses. Hello? I mean, I went to college in Reno, so I, I feel quasi-attached to Nevada. So I'm like, you guys want to take an invasive feral species that's destroying the landscape? and make that your state animal? Fortunately, right now, the bill looks like it's stalled. But the point of bringing this up is anytime legislators and legislatures get involved in wildlife issues, nothing is safe. So find some group, some organization in your state that does this, keeps you updated. Sign up for their email list or their newsletter. Stay on top of this and stay engaged. Or you might get some dumbass wanting to, I don't know, make the python your state reptile or something. I, I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. What, what's next? We're gonna make cheatgrass the national plant or something? No, oh, I better get off that or I'll get my blood pressure up here. Uh, summer for us is volunteer season. Uh, lots of opportunities to volunteer for something that's important to you. It might be a fence pole, it might be a habitat improvement, it might be a burn, it might be who knows what. But this is the time when a lot of the volunteerism in the hunting space gets done. I'd suggest you reach out to your favorite group because the odds are they have a project you could go and work on. Among our crew here, it seems like every summer we volunteer for a fence pole. Fence poles. <clears throat> the reason we like fence poles is it helps with the movement and migration of animals, uh, makes that easier for them. But go and find a project in your area, and if you have time, you, your friends, your family, maybe go volunteer. Uh, most of the western state tag drawings are complete. The only ones left are Arizona deer and sheep, Idaho uh, deer, elk, and antelope. And those close here in a couple days, uh, June 5th and June 6th, I think, or June 4th and June 5th. So if you're looking to, to still be in on a Western State drawing, that's your chance. So uh, since the, the corner crossing deep dive is going to take a long time, I'm going to cut the news segment short here. And we're going to go find Marcus, who's over there downloading footage, and we're going to rope him in to the deeper dive about this big court decision that just came out of Wyoming on corner crossing. We've done multiple podcasts. If you go out to Hunt Talk Radio, you'll see podcasts that we've done on this. And it isn't just me and my opinion. We've hired attorneys to come and sit in and analyze property law, analyze all the rights, everything related to this. And we're going to be doing another one now that the case has been heard. Case is probably going to get appealed, but anyhow, Marcus, take it away. Welcome back to Fresh Tracks Weekly, episode 43. I think it's 43. I haven't clapped yet. Clap it. Man, my hands are gross. They're gross? <laughs> yeah. Did you wash them? Yeah, I did multiple times, but I think just living in a, in a tent in a burn, it just kind of 
Get some grody hands. Grimy. What you been up to? Been on a, a bear hunt for the last four or five days. Can't really remember. It's all kind of blurring together. <laughs> but so is Randy. Yeah, but I wasn't living in a dirty tent. I was living on a 42-foot Lindell boat whose motto is hunt hard, rest easy. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. When you guys saw see, some pictures see the of footage, it. you're all going to want to have us try to ease our way in on another invite like that. But I was a little jealous. Yeah. yeah. I, was. I tell you what. Jim Bagedale? You know, everyone knows Jim. He's roughed it in Alaska to the nth degree as we were leaving. He's like, hey, Randy, you better friend up with these guys here. We (laughs) we could do this again. (laughs) Uh, Good times. Yeah. But anyway, the big news this week while we've been out in the field is uh, the corner crossing case in Wyoming. Yep. And I feel like we trust Randy the most on – on this information because he's been <laughs> back and forth with attorneys yep. doing podcasts, consulting with them and exactly what all of this means. But yeah. the news is that the judge dismissed most of that case Yep, in the most recent. Yeah. Yeah. So event. I also think before we get into that, like, can you give like a high level, like a, a minute or less version of like kind of what happened in case people don't know. Cause like, I feel yeah. like I've vaguely followed it, but like, I don't know all the details. Like I know that there's hunters hunting and they. All right. Four hunters from Missouri who were a little more enterprising than Marcus and I, when we had, when I had the same tag on the same spot and we drove up and we saw the corner. In other words, like if this is private pop, private, public, public. Like a checkerboard? Yeah, checkerboard. You step across a corner where the pin marks it, and you don't touch the two adjacent pieces of land. That's called corner crossing. These four hunters did that from Missouri two years in a row. And uh, the second year, they got uh, a citation for for criminal trespass. That case was heard a while back. The jury said, nah, that's not criminal trespass under Wyoming law. The landowner said, okay, I'm going to sue you for $7.5 million because it's civil trespass and you damaged me. Gotcha. So that's the case that the judge ruled on okay. last week. Right. He and issued his, his ruling on Friday. Yeah, and basically it was that mm-hmm. if you do that in that particular fashion, which they used a stepladder to cross the thing so they – Across the corner, so they never actually step foot. They never, never physically touch surface yep. of the private property. That that wasn't civil, civil trespass. Yeah. And the judge, in his ruling, so both parties requested summary judgment. Summary judgment is you present the facts to the judge and say, the law is so clear, let's not even have a big trial. You just rule that we won. Well, both sides were that confident that they filed a request for summary judgment The judge says, hunters, I'm going to honor your request for summary judgment. Landowner, get out of here. But he was really careful in what he did and how he did it. I sent this case when it came out on Friday. I sent it to Tom and Nick, the attorneys I've been doing the podcast with. And uh, we've been swapping emails over the weekend and today. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff in that 30-plus page ruling that the judge issued. So he can't just say, I decide in your favor. He has to give all the background, all the facts, circumstance, and then what c- cases and what law applies and why or, right. or why not. 
So uh, he made some really interesting distinctions. It tells me that this judge understands the issue very, very well. This is not abstract to him. I would bet this judge who lives in Wyoming probably looks at this and has scratched his head a time or two because he is very aware of how it unfolds, how important it was, and why it's different than some of the other cases that landowners have previously held up as their shield. So the big case, this, so this all happens in Wyoming, which is part of the 10th Circuit. So it starts right now. This is a Wyoming district court. Okay. Federal district. So it ends up in federal court, not state court. And since the landowner was declined his motion for summary judgment, he can then ask for an appeal. In other words, he can appeal it to the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. And there are six states in the 10th Circuit, which would be obviously Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Utah. So So is it safe... is that safe to assume that this applies in that entire no. district now? No. Okay. That's what everyone's wondering. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It only applies at this point to that district in Wyoming with these same facts and circumstances. And the judge made it very clear what facts and circumstances he was focused on about or, or related to whether this is or is not civil trespass. And there was a case, uh, I think it was in the 60s or 70s, called the Leo Sheep case. It was in Wyoming, which is part of, well, Wyoming used to be part of the 8th Circuit. Now they're in the 10th Circuit, so they split the 8th Circuit. So it's still relevant law for that circuit. So the judge was very smart. He only used cases that were relevant to his circuit. In, In other words, where they're at. And the Leo Sheep case was heard there. And the landowner won. And so landowners have always said, oh, see, Leo Sheep case, we we win. Hmm. But here's the big difference. The Leo Sheep case was the U.S. government trying to cross private lands, not two private parties. Okay. So it was the government and a private party. This case is a private party and a private party. And here's the big distinction. The U.S. government holds the right of eminent domain. And they chose not to use that in the Leo Sheep case. And that court said, wait, until you exhaust all of your rights to access, no, you can't do it. If you want to do eminent domain and go through that process, knock yourself out. You still hold that right. Well, a private individual, I can't go claim, hey, Blake, I'm going to file eminent domain on your property. Individuals can't do that to each other. So that's what makes the case he used, the McKay case, which was a sheep rancher and a cattle rancher who were mad at each other. The sheep rancher had the the grazing rights on all the public land. Okay. And the cattle rancher said, no, I'm not going to let you across my land because he was probably sneaking in and having his cattle graze on on the public land. So in the McKay case, it was two private parties, and the court held McKay. No, in that case, the sheep rancher got to take his sheep across the private land in the most minimal impact possible to get to the public land. So 
for decades, landowners have held up the shield of the Leo Sheep case as their defense in all these kind of things. This judge, this case, says, no, it doesn't apply when it's two private parties. Interesting. Huge. If, yeah. it, hold, if it holds well, up. So, yeah, everyone is saying that there'll likely be an appeal, right? Yes, even but. the attorney representing the hunter says he fully expects an appeal. Tom and Nick, the two attorneys I talked to, they're like, oh, this is getting appealed. But if it gets appealed, it goes to the 10th. 10th circuit. 10th circuit. The and truth. then say they appeal it, and then the judge rules in the favor of the hunters. Right. Then so does that mean at that point in all those states, that's the law, the law, the law, the law, of, the land. law of the land? So when it gets appealed to the circuit court, a three-judge panel will review the case and say, oh, you did this wrong or you did that wrong or, yeah, no, everything's great. Gotcha. Landowner, go, you know, <laughs> go fly a kite. <laughs> and if that's the case, then the last stage of appeal is a landowner can say, hey, I want to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court can say, oh, we're going to take the case or we're not going to take the case. Or we're going to take the case, but we found in favor of the hunters. And if that's the case, that's where it becomes law of the land. Nice. Right. Everywhere. Everywhere. But there's a decent yeah. chance that if it just ends before that, then it's going to still be a little bit ambiguous in other parts of the world. Is yeah. That, it, other it, parts of the country. It could be. Now, I... It's pretty dry reading, and a lot of people are like, I don't want to read all this legal stuff. But everyone should read it because the judge made a bunch of processes. He, he lays out his logic, and this is why I think he knew. I bet I bet any money he's thought about how do I access some of this land yeah. <laughs> at some point in his life because he went through what does state law tell us? And so he had a whole bunch of reasons why Wyoming state law may not specifically state what is or isn't civil trespass, but it has statutes that say what isn't civil trespass. Okay. So he went to all that. And then he went through all these other things, uh, these cases I talked about. And then he went through in extreme depth to explain that how much precision these hunters used make sure they did not touch the adjacent private lands. Yeah, what did what did they use? Well, they used it. They built their own stepladder nice. to get over one I spot. Like that. <laughs> but they, there's a bunch of unmarked corners where you would never need a stepladder. So he, I, nobody knows, but with the precision he's talking about, it almost, as I read it, it's like a warning. It's like, hey, folks, don't think that you can just wander around and say, oh, we can't find the corner pin. This is good enough. Right. Because a lot of corners are unmarked. Right. And he, if, as I read his opinion, and as the, the attorneys I've talked to read the opinion, he's almost issuing a warning. Don't get careless. Don't go do stupid stuff because this adjacent land is still private land. Yeah. And it, with that private land comes the right of exclusion. So good enough, you know, oh, I'm sure I'm within 10 yards. No. This, if they would have done that, they would have got drilled for civil trespass. They probably would have got right. drilled for criminal trespass. Well, that also brings up the, the one part of the case that didn't get dismissed, but it's like he, one of the hunters had a waypoint right. that was on the private right. land, which I thought is kind of funny because 
if you looked at my GPS, there's all sorts of waypoints on private land because right. I use that as an indicator of where animals are. Not And, like, you can place them from... I right. can put one in Alaska right now. From right now, if we had our so right, we we could put one. I could put one in your backyard right now, Marcus. Right, but that's the thing that that's like the interesting thing that that has, was not dismissed, and so I'm right. I'm, I'm curious right. to see the how reason, they're gonna. Right, the reason that, that wasn't di- dismissed is because there's a dispute of facts there. Okay, the dispute of facts is whether the hunter walked over there and put the pin in, as the landowner is asserting. Or did the hunter say, no, I just, I put that pin in for, I, I didn't go over there. So if there's a dispute of facts, the the landowner can decide if he wants to argue that. Okay. But the judge did say the damage to the property, even if this was the person walking five feet over the boundary, is de minimis. So the damages would be, here's a dollar. Yeah, right. like, gotcha. for messing up your blade of grass. So, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the things I take from this are it's a very good ruling for hunters. Yeah. But it, it's not definitive that everywhere and anywhere. So it, every state has different laws, and the judge did look at Wyoming law. So we got to look, you know, you got to look at the law in your state. You got to follow exactly what they did. And it still doesn't necessarily apply to every place else, even though I would bet if it happened in, and we're in the Ninth Circuit circuit here in Montana, they'd probably look and say, eh, yeah, that logic's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you, you'd have a, a basis for doing it, but uh, I would caution people, you, if you're going to do this, you better have your ducks in a row. You Right. Don't, and this, as a collective representation of hunters, this is my worry because we hold ourselves out to be big advocates of private property rights. And if you're going to do this, you better go find that corner and you better not touch that private land on either side when you step over. Gotcha. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe it's better just to like notify a landowner and say, like, I plan on doing this. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I'm going to do it. Like, you can watch me do it if you want. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I so mean, at the question everyone wants to know the answer to, though. So you say you, Randy, mm-hmm. are in Wyoming. Yeah, there's an 80 inch pronghorn on the other side <laughs> of a corner. You got a peg in your pocket. Yeah, what are you doing next? Uh, this next season. Next season, that's a really we're good. Still, question. We're still in a little bit of like. I, I next season, I probably wouldn't do it. Okay, because I'd wait to hear what the appeal is. Now, if it gets appealed and the appeals court says, you know what? And, and the judge goes into a, a discussion of where you have a joint ownership of property. There are limits on each person's rights. And one of those limits is the limit to deny the use of the other party. And so if that becomes ruled, and the reason, like I told you guys before, I had a big plan to do this same identical thing in Montana, and I was going to call the landowner I knew a very aggressive landowner and a very aggressive <laughs> district attorney. This was in 2014, I think it was. I went and hired a law firm, and they're like, you know, I like your idea, Randy, but I, we think it would be civil trespass. We'd suggest you not do that. So uh, until it gets a little more clear, I'm everyone's going to make their own decision on yeah. it. But I wouldn't do it until 
I know I'm not violating. For sure, I am not violating someone's property rights. Gotcha. Even if there's an 80-inch prong on it. I had to ask. But So a couple other things that I think, and I know we're running short of time, but just know that this isn't a precedent-setting case for everything. It's a great case to build on. All the attorneys think this judge did a remarkable job of analyzing the facts and going and finding cases that really reflected a similar fact pattern. But that doesn't mean it applies in Missouri or it applies in Alaska or it applies in Montana. We're outside this Wyoming district. Yeah. So, And then uh, Tom and Nick, the two attorneys, they've been shooting me emails. We're getting ready to do another podcast. But Cool. Real, real people, real, people who know what they're doing will answer these dive, questions. Dive deep into it, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, Blake, so like where you've hunted – Back back east. That's yeah. how, as much as I know. It's east of Montana that <laughs> most east of your hunting has occurred. Mississippi. That's how that's how uh, ignorant I am. It's like east of Montana is like just one <laughs> big place that I don't know anything about. But is there any examples where this makes a difference for you over there? Is this like a? I mean, I know it's a huge deal in the West, but is there any corner crossing issues out there? I'm sure that there's places in the Midwest that have corners and you can't cross them. Um, but I'm not too familiar with too much checkerboarding going on out there. Gotcha. So, but yeah, I, I wasn't even aware that you couldn't corner cross. I was very naive to it. And, like, when I was starting to hear about these Missouri guys, I was like, oh, I would definitely would have been going to those corners and <laughs> trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. how can I get over there? Yeah. So Well, and it depends on who you ask, too, because, yeah. like, there's some people who believe that you can, you know. Right. Like, I mean, like, it's a big gray. It's been a gray area, you know. It's so. Those people who say you can, those are the people who say, oh, I can deduct that on my taxes. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you can until you get caught. Yeah. Good luck defending yeah. it, right? Yeah. So That's it's kind of the, the same thing. The other thing the judge was very clear about is if there is another means of access, you can then you have to take that other means of access. Interesting. So if, there's, if it's just a shortcut and there's a long way around... Didn't sound like he was on board with that. That's interesting. This is like... Because I can think of some examples that are like that were... Right. If you say, well, I don't want to climb up that steep ridge. I'll just cross at the corner. Because there, there's an old goat trail with an easement that goes around that steep ridge. Well, yeah. But also you can you know expand it to way further where it's like, well, technically there is access 15 miles down the mountain range. Right. And, and, then it's like, and then there's a corner... That is a significant, I mean, you know, feasibly, you're right. not going to access it on that 15 no. miles mm. down, no trail. And so that's where it would, I think it would be a whole nother distinction if, if like. Right. So he made it clear that these hunters took all necessary steps. They had no other means of accessing a public property that they, like all citizens, have a vested right of access to. And they did it in a manner that imposed the most minimal impact possible to the adjacent private lands and only to the airspace at that corner. So he he kept throwing that stuff in there. And to me, that was like the warning. Yeah. Don't be stupid. Don't be fools. Yeah. You know, this is still private property. Don't, Don't say, well, you know... I'd really not like to cross this creek. I'm, I, if I go 30 yards over here, I'll be, I won't have to cross that creek. No. 
Yeah, I can also see pe- people saying, like, well, if they don't have a fence here, they probably don't really care if I just, like, you know, go 30 yards on this side. It's like, that's probably not a good idea, boys. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> to your question, Marcus, if I ever did it, yeah, because let's say it becomes the law of the land. If I'm going to do it, I'm going out before season, and if i got to bring a metal detector, I'm going to go and put a red rock, bring some spray paint and put a red rock on every corner I find. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm going to be doing some advanced research so that I'm not walking around in the dark like, yeah, I think I'm pretty close. No. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and so well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how landowners take this as well. I, I mean, if it progresses and then i mean obviously there a lot of private landowners will be upset because it right. like the elk mountain ranch guy it's he thinks it devalues the his property which I, you can make an argument but it, it doesn't it, devalue his property he it, overpaid it, for his property yeah, it devalues his vision of his property yeah the stuff that he doesn't actually own um but it'll be interesting to see if you know they accept it or if it is going to be i'm sure it will be different for every landowner but um, yeah like you said you got to make sure you're doing it exactly right crossing right at the corner and i feel if hunters if it works up through the appeals and the public wins the right to cross that corner i think we better brace ourselves for an attack on public lands like we've probably never seen because there's a lot of people who have invested billions and billions of dollars buying land that controls public land and they're not right they're not just going to walk away from that when yeah, attack it in other ways potentially. Or. When a property goes up for sale, is that in the listing saying like this? Oh yeah, it's we'll a thousand acres. To, but yeah, it's, it's a description though. You know, right. there's no okay. like legal. Right. I mean the the title report you get will only be on the deeded sections, not on the public sections. But if you read an ad, it'll say eighty thousand acre Montana ranch, and then in the fine print it'll say two thousand deeded. Yeah. <laughs> 78,000 public. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to change things a lot if this case prevails. And uh, I think we got to give a ton of thanks to these four Missouri hunters. Yeah. I mean, they've been through hell and back. And, uh, you know, I got talked out of it when I thought about doing it. They, they did it. They did it. Pretty All cool. the credit to them. Credit to Wyoming BHA. Yep. Buzz, Jeff, uh, Jared. A bunch of those folks down there, all the people listening or watching who supported that that uh, GoFundMe thing. Yeah. It was all those things with these four hunters willing to be the point of the spear that got this case to where it is. Because I'll, I'll tell you, the, the law firm I talked to, not the guys I'm doing the podcast with, but the one one I talked to when I was going to do it, they were convinced it was civil trespass. And so I just went forward with that opinion, and that's why I – it's like I'm never I'm never going to trespass intentionally, and that's why I never did it. So kudos to these guys and the people who got them there. Yeah, very cool, exciting. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it uh, more to follow because I think they have 30 days to appeal. Gotcha. Yeah, they so. appeal it, and it does go through like to the 10th district or whatever yep. you just said, 10th yep. circuit test, 10th circuit. Like I want to say there's like millions of of acres, right? Of, 8. of 8.3 million acres can be accessed. Yeah, crossing so it's pretty huge. Yeah. It, wouldn't, oh. it would not <laughs> just apply to BLM pieces, Forest Service, because these are all BLM pieces in question. Yeah. It would apply to state pieces. It would apply to Forest Service pieces. Right. Yeah, any 
when well, I'd probably private to private too, to some extent, right? Like if there's, I would a, think so. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's all anyway. Very cool. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens, but looking good. Yeah. Thanks for giving us the lowdown, Randy. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for these guys who, who did all the work. Maybe you ought to have them on a podcast someday. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, but I'm sure that their list of podcast requests is a mile long. So I don't, they've done enough work. I don't need to impose on them unless they want to come on and tell their story. I'm, I'd always open that, but I'm not going to ask them. I mean, think about what they've yeah. put themselves. I want to hear about like, can you imagine yeah, the coming stress home? That's it's caused in their life. And, and your wife has opened up a certified letter that the sheriff delivered that says, Oh, we're getting sued for 7.5 million. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some scary stuff. <laughs> yeah. the, the old, oh, don't worry about it, honey line, that's not <laughs> working. <laughs> so, great for those guys. I, I, If I ever see them, I'm going to buy them beer. Or I'm not going to buy them pizza. They'll get sick. <laughs> I'll buy them whatever they want. So, Sweet. Nice.